Hello, everybody, and may the 4th be with you. You're tuned in to the Couch GM's podcast on Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurth, here along with the one other Jedi, Cody Roadcap. Cody, how you doing? I'm doing great. The Force is strong. Pretty excited. George, can you believe it? This is our 100th episode. I feel like it was just yesterday that we were like, Three guys that don't know anything about podcasting. We still really don't know anything about podcasting and just trying to put something together, but we've now done it for a hundred times. hundred times more experience of not knowing what we're doing. I mean, we've gone a long way in that hundred episodes too. Now we don't know anything about podcasting or video podcasting. And here you are looking at our faces, staring at the, the nothing talking at you for an hour, an episode a week, or sometimes two episodes for talking in season. It's, it's come a long way. Definitely has come a long way, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of our favorite moments and stuff at the end of the show, so definitely, you know, make sure you stick around for that. Kind of overtook George's, you know, role here. See, this is what we don't know about podcasting, Uh, but on today's episode, we're going to talk about NFL news and notes. If you didn't know, the NFL draft happened. Crazy weekend, a lot of things. I really wish Snyder was be able to be with us for one important news topic we're going to talk about, but we'll get to that in a second draft recap on some of the fantasy relevant players that got drafted where they they ended up whose stock went up whose stock went down as always you can find more information out at the and on our social channels at the couch gms without further ado let's jump into nfl news well done cody well done maybe these next hundred episodes will have to be you leading us off instead of me but now, i did my one i'm not gonna go up that job <laughs> you did, did your one in a hundred yeah your one in the first hundred was not very enthusiastic so i'll give it to you that was better than your first hundred <laughs> we're coming a long way we're coming a long way yes we have um but okay so it's a tradition here on the couch gms that there's always a news story that comes out that we cannot talk about because it comes out between when we record and when this episode is posted this one we see coming and that is the international schedule is to be released on may the 4th at 7 a.m we record this on tuesday night so we do not have any idea, as recording this, who is going to be playing overseas in London, George. Germany, down in the pa- Mexico. The Packers <laughs> are playing the Patriots on October 30th in London. Book it. I mean, now if that does come true, you're really going to look like you have those Jedi mind powers going on here on May the 4th. But <laughs> why don't we talk about the news that we do know? <laughs> How about that? We can start off with wide receivers. We expected wide receivers to be moved during the draft, right before the draft, whatever it might be. But did we expect these wide receivers, Cody? Well, the one that I didn't expect, and apparently no one else did, because I think four people in total knew about it until the trade went down, (laughs) because there was a stipulation, if this gets leaked, this trade is off. And that is Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, granted, there's some other news that we're going to hit in a minute that makes this trade even more apparent, but... One, it was a shocker that happened on draft day. Two, in the rare you know situation where a player on his rookie contract gets more a higher draft pick than what he was drafted. Hollywood Brown was, I believe, was drafted three years ago and picked twenty five. They got the twenty, or no, he's drafted twenty eight. They got the twenty fifth pick. If my math mm-hmm. and history remembers correctly, uh, a surprising move. It appears that Hollywood Brown has won it out of Baltimore for a while can you blame them they're definitely a run first he wants to be a receiver he sees all the money they're getting he wants to go out there make a name for himself rejoins with Kyler Murray I love the fit it took them out of having to take a wide receiver in the first round 
I think we can expect expect some big things from Hollywood Brown this upcoming season. Yeah, there's a lot of news that's going to be surrounding Hollywood Brown that we'll talk about soon. But it was such a secret that even Lamar Jackson didn't see it coming. Um, and he ended up getting roasted on Twitter because he put a WTF right before they took the pick for Tyler Linderbaum at 25. And people were like, why are you saying WTF at a center? Obviously, he was talking about the Hollywood Brown trade. And he had no idea. Those two were close. And it was kept such secret that he did not know until even after some of us did that were watching the draft. Absolutely insane to think about. But that's not the only pair of friends at wide receiver and quarterback. This one was actually United. A.J. Brown, the one we want uh, Tyler here to talk about, traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a first and a third round pick. Cody, instant reaction. I mean, I was shocked. My instant reaction was I texted Snyder. I said, don't look at your phone. because I knew You, you did, gonna, yes. And was I was out. like basically screaming. <laughs> and George was excited as the resident Eagles fan, of course. But I even told – I've been told – Always, every time we talk Debo, we talk Terry McLaurin, I'd be like, don't forget A.J. Brown. And even on last week's episode, I said, the GM changed his tone. It went from we're not changing, we're not trading him to we don't foresee trading him. Obviously, something had happened. I kept bringing it up. Am I surprised it happened? Yes, I'm still surprised they traded away a young ascending player. I mean, it came out that they offered him $16 million a year with incentives to earn $20 million. Christian Kirk is getting $20 million a year. No wonder he got irritated with the franchise. No wonder he wanted out after that. So there's some, you know, I know some Titans fans are like, oh, I can't believe you said you want to be a Titans for life. And then you're out like that. Well, he wanted to be respected. He wanted to get paid. And if you think about it in your own career field, whether it's you're not obviously, unless you're the select few making millions of dollars, if you're at a job, you get a, a job offer or you ask for a raise and they say no. And then, you go get another job and they're like, Oh, Hey, we'll match you. Well, sometimes you don't want to stay there because it took something else to get them to come up to that price. So there could have been some of that going on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how it affects their stock, but George, as the Eagles fan here, the fans are dying to know, how are you feeling about this trade? The only thing that makes me feel a little bit sketchy about this trade is that people try to say that there's now a character concern with AJ Brown. But I think a lot of what you said when it comes to going out there hunting for money, your comparison to actually like other jobs that you'll see people like us have, that makes a lot of sense. AJ Brown's now moving to a team that is trying to get more incorporated in the past game, even though they are a run first team. This is the one thing I think that they really needed to try to get themselves to that heavier passing team. And A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts are best friends. They've actually been working out together most of the offseason so far, so there's a connection there. So I think it's going to be a very smooth transition for A.J. Brown to the Eagles. And between him playing for, with his best friend and getting that money he was hoping for, I don't think there's going to be any character concerns. I'm excited about this. The Eagles offense could be a different monster than you saw at the end of last year. Yeah, I mean, as if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be ecstatic too. Let's not forget, though, this did come with a hefty price tag of what was it four years 100 million 57 or 60, year. 67 guaranteed some i can't remember the exact number off the top of my head uh mm -hmm. so 25 million a year it is a hefty price tag i know aj i i read somewhere that he would have stayed in tennessee for 22 if it was offered it wasn't so mm -hmm. again there is that's the business side of it uh but we're going to talk about the football side here and it's a great signing for the eagles wrapping both of the wide receivers that got moved on draft night I think both teams obviously got better because they got talent and we've now seen a shift in, you know, wide receiver being a premium position. They're getting $25 million of contracts. 
like just a handful of years ago, 25 mil was quarterback money. And now that's going for wide receivers. That's why we saw running them in the draft. And I think we're going to see a lot of wide receivers be on the move a lot more as they get closer to contracts because teams are going to be hesitant to pay 25, 26, 27 million dollars to these young wide receivers and might think, hey, a rookie wide receiver with guys around them and a better quarterback, like it's going to, the whole league has changed this offseason when it comes to wide receiver position. And I, for one, am super excited about it. But when you're saying it that way, it's almost making me feel like you're starting to think about it like the running back position, like how, except for the very top tier running backs, they don't get another contract. I understand the money's different. Like you're talking about top wide receivers getting 25 mil a year now. Top running backs get what, 10, 15 if you're lucky. Um, but there's so many teams that will have this, I would say above average running back and they will just go let him walk and draft another guy to fill his spot. And we'll probably do similar in production, but just not pay him. So it's almost sounding to me like your teams are thinking you can still do the same thing with the wide receiver position, but with how this league is turning to a pass first league, I don't foresee that being as easy of a transition. The wide receiver position has a lot more to do with individual skill than the running back position does too, especially with how there's emphasis on blocking schemes and offensive lines as well. Absolutely. And it, there is the aspect of it too, that rookie wide receivers, you know, they're being more ready. We're seeing rookies be more involved in offenses quicker and early, which could play into it. It's going to be a lot to unpack over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but the two trades weren't the only wide receiver news. DeAndre Hopkins, who we thought would be, you know, the deadly duo out in Arizona with Hollywood Brown. He's still on the team. He's just going to miss the first six games after he was suspended for violating the NFL PED policy. Thanks to a bad test in November. He's not appealing it. So he is suspended for the whole six games. George, how does this affect DeAndre Hopkins's fantasy value? And how does it affect the Cardinals? I was already interested to see how he was going to fall in rankings after his struggles last year and his injury. Um, I mean, I don't think the injuries are going to be too much of a concern, especially now with him sitting out six games. But this is going to be tough on it's going to almost be a game of chicken with your league now on how early do you want to take Hopkins for that hopeful second half of the fantasy regular season and fantasy playoff push that you'll have to make with him. So I don't. I don't want to put a round number on it yet without us doing our early rankings, which are coming up soon, but he's dropped from probably a second, third round wide receiver now down towards the middle rounds of drafts. I think overall he's going to be okay, especially because they still did put pieces around him. He still has Kyler Murray at quarterback, obviously Hollywood Brown coming in, I think helps keep pressure off him in that offense, but his draft stock fell drastically just hope you're in a league that you can put him on a reserve spot. If you are a team that's going to take a risk on him and hold him for the first six weeks and have him activated in week seven. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully you can put him on a reserve spot. The last bit of news pretty much immediately after the draft was over the new Orleans saints locked in the honey badger. I know he flirted with the Eagles a little bit. There were some other teams involved, but the saints didn't get a safety. So they went out and got him for three years. $33 million, not too much fantasy related. The Saints already have a good defense, could be in a fantasy consideration. George, any comments on the Honey Badger signing? Good move for the Saints and good move for Tyron Matthew. He still got a big contract. I was not expecting him to get that. I wasn't expecting him to get a three-year deal, honestly, uh, at his age, knowing that he is starting to come down. But 
good for him and a good move for the Saints. The Saints are known for strong safety play, so this should just fit right into the same Saints defense we've seen in the past. Completely agree with that assessment. So, George, why don't we get into our draft recap? Yes, Cody, we're talking draft now. So I think the biggest thing that we were talking about coming in is how weak the quarterback class was. And when it comes to a draft perspective, this was almost historically strange. We always see four quarterbacks taken in the first round. There's multiple quarterbacks taken in the top 10. And we were sitting there on on draft night and wondering, when is this first quarterback going to be taken? Only one taken in the first two rounds, and it was at pick 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was Kenny Pickett from Pitt to Pittsburgh. Cody, what are your thoughts on Pickett? Do you think he has a chance to even start year one? The first quarterback off the board, this almost isn't normally a question, but Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky? (laughs) I think... One, I think this kind of stinks for Mitch. Uh, You know, he got all the raving reviews coming out of Buffalo. Granted, he isn't, you know, the guy that the Bears hoped they were when they drafted him number two overall. But he still could be a solid option. But I think he's a great person. I think they have very similar skill sets that him and Kenny Pickett have. Pittsburgh, you know, they almost have a cheat code. The Pitt Panthers share facility with the the Steelers. So, Mm -hmm. like... The wait staff, they've seen them in the hallways. Cafeteria people, they know who they are. Like, they have like extra scouting when it comes to. So, one, if he didn't go to Pitt, I don't think any quarterback goes into the or any quarterback goes in the first round, which would have been historic. But coming back to what I think, I think Pickett does have a chance to start. I'm not 100% sure it's going to be week one. I think he'll be given that opportunity because he is a first round pick. But Trubisky could beat him out if they struggle. They could do a change come by week, similar to how Trubisky came in with Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon was a free agent acquisition after their bye week Trubisky started. And it's also be fun to say, you know, we talked about the schedule coming out. If, you know, the NFL helps the Steelers out by giving them an early bye week as like, hey, you can switch now. You have a bye week, week 13, you're probably not going to switch a quarterback out at the bye week. You have a bye week, week five or six, it could get pretty interesting. That's true. Um I don't see him starting from week one either, but it's a good point to note that him and Trubisky have very similar skill sets. And there's Trubisky, even though we might think about it as a veteran quarterback, as somebody who can coach up Kenny Pickett. Um, I was going to say there was a quote that I heard from Pittsburgh staff where it's like, we searched around the world for a quarterback and ended up going to our backyard. Um, And there was plenty of quotes also you can find from Pickett after he was drafted about talking about he would go into the building and he would always take a peek left, which is towards the Steelers facility and say, I want to be there one day and then go right and go to Pitt's facility. So it's kind of cool to hear those kind of draft stories coming out of the draft. But it's insane to think that there was only one quarterback in the first two rounds and he's not even a lock to start for week one. Very strange class, but there's still more quarterbacks to talk about in this class. So the next three that were taken were all in round three, and that was Desmond Ritter to Atlanta, Matt Corral to Carolina, and Malik Willis to Tennessee. Do you think any of those three have a chance to start at all this year? I know probably not week one, but at all this year. Yeah, I think if you look at it, I think that they all have potential to start. Um, I'm going to say Malik Willis probably has the least amount of potential to start. I think they're going to ride with Tannehill this this year. Um, Matt Corral, he has to beat out Sam Darnold. Desmond Ritter has to beat out Marcus Mariota. So, like, two guys 
that are veterans that know the NFL, know the system, but they can come in and play right away uh, if they're needed to. I know I've mentioned it. I know Desmond Ritter has some accuracy issues. I mean, they all do. That's why they fell to the third round. Let's not be honest. I mean, Matt Corral is more of character issues, so take that with a grain of salt, too. He probably has the most talent of these three quarterbacks, but has some serious character concerns, which is why he fell to the third round. So I think Corral has an opportunity to start. Desmond Ritter, I've said this whole draft process, probably wasn't going to be the first quarterback taken. Honestly, I was surprised that he was the second, and but he was my favorite of the class. So he's the guy I'm most excited to see in Atlanta. I think if you groom him, uh, they also took Drake London in the first round. They're going to get Calvin Ridley back next year. They have Kyle Pitts. I like where this Atlanta team is going. They might not be anything this year. They might have another high pick. But I, if Ritter can come on you know, a little bit, show some signs where they don't have to take a quarterback next year, I like what they are building there in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So he would be my favorite to start, um, or my the one I'm hoping for the most. I think Matt Crow would be the favorite to start this year. Um, and then I put Malik Willis third on that one. And I also think there was the guy uh, in the third or maybe the beginning of the fourth round that went to the Patriots. He's not starting over Mac Jones. He's just a backup. <laughs> Yeah, and normally rounds four through seven is where you see quarterbacks that are not expected to even have a chance to be franchise guys, but they're the developmental quarterbacks that they're like, hey, if this works out, that's fantastic. But um, you almost see guys that, you know, teams are going to end up being relying on here, falling almost down into round four, these three in round three. I'm with you on your uh, rankings there. I think Corral has the most chance to start this year. He actually might even be competing with Sam Darnold for the starting gig in Carolina to start the year, but I don't see how they go to him over Darnold, even though that coaching staff does not seem to have a favorable view of him. Um, Ritter to Atlanta, I think is a very interesting fit. I personally would like to see Mario to have a shot to start, but I don't think he's going to be a long-term option. So Ritter is going to get his shot at some point. I want to talk a little bit though about Willis and Tannehill in Tennessee. Because there was an interesting quote that came out from Tannehill that was saying how he was not informed by the Titans brass that they were going to be taking a quarterback. But he did text Malik Willis and say that, you know, congratulations, welcome to the Titans. And then he was quoted saying something like, I don't think it's my job to groom another quarterback. But if he learns something from me beyond like along the way, then that's good. I don't like that mindset at all out of Tannehill, out of a quarterback in general. He's been getting a lot of backlash from what I've seen on Twitter. What are your thoughts, Cody? Um, I mean, I think it's one of those things where I think he might have overthought what he was saying or, you know, it's being taken, you know, in a way that he probably didn't intend it. I don't know this to be sure. I don't know Ryan Tannehill. I wish I did, but I don't. Um, to some point, he has, you know, a truth. Like, it is not his job to make sure that the next quarterback is ready. That's the coaching's job. That's the team's job. And if he can learn something, great. So what he says makes a ton of sense, but it doesn't come off as a team player. I think that's why he's getting a lot of the backlash from Twitter, from the fans like, hey, you know, it's almost coming across like you think you're a top three quarterback and you have no idea why they drafted one essentially, like be a better teammate. Like that's something that you don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick would ever say, you know, the journeyman backup who has helped groom other quarterbacks he was into his corner when he was coming out so maybe there is a little bit of tense relationship I think they'll be fine like 
focus more on the fact that he wasn't told that they were drafting a quarterback and he still reached out and texted him. Like, I think he's going to be fine. He was, you know, probably speaking too true and not coming off as a team player. Um, Mm -hmm. Malik Willis, what an interesting story. You know, a guy I talked about during our draft recap, like, yeah, he's probably, he might be the top prospect, but like, I don't love him. He's 24, has accurate issues. He comes from a small school. Yes, he's athletic. He has a strong arm, but like, if you look at his spray charts on where he's hot and cold, like the dude can't hit anything over the middle. Like I I like the potential there. Uh, I think the value in the third round is great because he could be a potential be a starter. Uh, But as Titans fans or NFL fans, like any of these three guys, like pick it included. If they draft a quarterback next year or none of them pan out, like don't be surprised. Especially because quarterbacks are on such a short leash in today's NFL. In the past, you could have seen somebody take a quarterback and sit on them for three or four years hoping they would work out. I mean, look at how much we've given, you know, shade to the Giants and Daniel Jones, but they're actually handling it how a lot of teams used to handle quarterbacks. And then you got situations where it's like the Browns, where the Browns would literally draft a quarterback every single year because none of them would work out right away. And they'd be like, this guy's not going to work. And then they get a guy that kind of works and they end up replacing him anyway. But that's another story for another day with Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Carolina, Tennessee, even three of the four of them drafting another quarterback next year because these guys don't appear to be progressing in the way that they like. But it's part of that's a quarterback class. Part of that is the impatient nature of the NFL. Yeah, I think for this, guys, it'd be more of the quarterback class. Pittsburgh probably is the team that's not in the market for a quarterback next year. They're probably going to let, you know, a year or two. Uh, but the third-round ones, I mean, they're drafting the third rounds. If they miss, they miss. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, third-rounders miss all the time in the NFL. Um, but I do love Desmond Ritter saying, I'm not leaving till we win a Super Bowl, getting Atlanta hyped up for that. I know we're not doing quotes of the week or there, but that would definitely have to be one. But I, that's probably enough quarterback talk, George. Let's go into another, you know, Quarterbacks were almost a record breaker. What was a record breaker was the wide receivers. There was six drafted in the top 18. That was Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, Jameson Williams, Jahan Dotson, and then Traylon Burks was the instant replacement for the A.J. Brown trade. Uh, 13 total in the first two rounds. Who do you think landed in the best spot? This I was not looking forward to this question because be, because of landing spots, I almost feel like all these receivers just kind of grouped right together for me. Like it's so hard for me to figure out who is going to come out above the others because X team has a really questionable quarterback and Y team has this guy that's not going to be wide receiver two or three. So like I'm going to go ahead and say the best landing spot, especially for the short term, Christian Watson to the Packers in round two. Because it's the best quarterback situation. It's a wide receiver needy team. I'm not even saying he's going to be the best wide receiver right off the bat because obviously he wasn't drafted in that top 18 because of, you know, skill reasons. He's not the as the most talented wide receiver. But when it comes to if you're asking who has the best fit, who had the best landing spot, it's got to be Christian Watson, in my opinion. But he's not going to be the top rookie wide receiver looked at. Wow. I thought I was going to have to come on here and, you know, pipe up some Christian Watson. I think you might 
you know, get more excited about him than I am, which is pretty surprising. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Christian Watson. I love to the Packers. For me, he's more of a dynasty play than a first-year rookie, I think, because he True. comes from the small school. I think he might not be, you know, the guy that makes an immediate impact if we're talking, you know, which rookie wide receiver are you going to target in a redraft? And for mm-hmm. me, it's tough between – I'm between two guys, and I think it's going to come down to draft season and when they're ready. If Jameson Williams is available – I'm going to take him with the Lions and Jared Goff, Amra St. Brown, DJ Chark, TJ Hawkinson. Excuse me. That's a pretty good offense. He's getting choked up about this. <laughs> I know. If he's starts on the pup list, again, a guy you grab late, throw on the IR spot. If it's not him, I think it'll be Garrett Wilson. Some of him were the top guys. Zach Wilson, pass heavy. I like that a lot. Okay. And then I'll, I'll, I'll give my other guy that is around one pick. Um, the Saints are probably my favorite team in the quarterback situation, even though they've been looking for that quarterback. Jameis Winston, I still have faith that he can come back. And Chris Olave was my draft crush. So I do like that fit right there. Um, he's, he is a wide receiver too, but we obviously don't know where we're going to get a Michael Thomas. So I like that fit for the Saints. The Saints should be a much pass heavy, much more pass heavy team now. And I, he's one of the people that you could say is, inching up near the top of those rookie wide receivers that you're going to draft in a redraft. He's probably not your favorite. Jamison Williams probably is going to be the favorite if he's healthy, but Olave is right there. Yeah. And don't get us wrong. Like we talked about how Chris Olave was the most pro ready wide receiver to come in and play. Mm -hmm. So whether you think it was a reach to take him at 11, whether you think it was a reach for how many picks, if you actually break it down that the saints gave up to go get him, it was a lot of draft capital because it, dates back to the deal with the the Patriots or the Eagles earlier this year. So there was a lot of draft capital given up to go up and get him. I think he's solid. And then the one other name we have to talk about, I think we mocked him every time we talked about mock drafts in wide receivers. He ended up going there in the second round was Sky Moore to the Chiefs. Like yep. <laughs> he's one of my favorite dynasty targets too. You might not have to take him in the first round. We'll see. It is a high powered offense replacing. So might be end of the round end of the first round depending if you're full IDP or just offensive players and how deep your league is. But, you know, it's one of those rare situations where there isn't that true number one guy. So if you're in a dynasty league and you were competing last year and you have a second half of round one, like you can still get a very solid, you know, wide receiver and even running back for that matter in the first round of the draft, there'll be talent in the second round. Um, And then I do have to, you know, give a shout out to George Pickens, who was my draft crush. He went to, Pittsburgh, you're going to hear Pickett to Pickens for years to come. Or as I was talking to Chance, uh, friend of the show, Bengals fan, we're hoping he was hoping that it's there's a pick from Pickett intended to Pickens. So we'll see how that goes oh. in that situation. But uh, a lot of good players can't sleep on Alex Pierce to the Colts. I love the wide receivers. There's a lot of good options. And I think that's why coming up soon, we're going to do a mock dynasty rookie draft so we can talk about all those guys. But there's more than just wide receivers, running backs. Brees Hall, we all hoped he went to Buffalo. He stayed in the AFC East. They went to the New York Jets. And the Buffalo got James Cook. Um, those are the two big ones. Kenneth Walker also went to the Seahawks. We can actually loop that one in, too, because he's next on the list. Be- better prospect for this season upcoming. Dynasty long-term, what are your thoughts on the three running backs? I'm probably going to end up being alone in this. And I'm totally expecting it. Everyone is still high on Brees Hall. Brees Hall was probably the best rated running back coming out of the draft. Maybe this is also me speaking as a Michael Carter truther because I've been 
on the Michael Carter bandwagon for a while. And he did pretty solid last year on a team that was not great. He's still going to get some carries. We don't know how the split's going to go. Hall is going to, you know, definitely demand some carries, but we don't know how the split's going to be. I like James Cook to Buffalo. Part of it is because he has the family pedigree. I think that the Buffalo is still a perfect fit for him, not even just as a running back, but he was the third down pass catching back in college. Buffalo is a pass heavy team. If he can pass block when he's asked to, he might get some passing, you know, some routes as well could catch the ball. He's not going to be your traditional running back. I don't think even though he, he can get some carries, that's a good fit for him. I'm kind of questioning why he looks so upset when he was drafted by Buffalo, but if there's no beef there or anything and everything's going to be fine, he actually is my favorite fit for a prospect this season. And if you're in a dynasty draft and you're looking number one overall, which is Brees Hall, most likely, and you're kind of like me, feel free to try to trade down in the middle of the first round. There's going to be a lot of wide receivers probably going after Brees Hall. You might be able to snag James Cook and get another first round pick next year or something like that. Yeah, I think as we get closer to your dynasty rookie drafts, you might be if you have the top pick, you might be able to trade down to like three or four. But I think James Cook will be right up there with the conversation, um, especially because dynasty rookie drafts, a lot of times running backs go early. Um, I know they're not going early in regular drafts, but they're they're such a valuable position. And if you ask me right now between the big three, I'd probably still give the slight edge to Brees Hall um, just because I think he will be given the number one opportunities in New York. And they run that Kyle Shanahan system that, you know, they say that you can give any running back a thousand yards. Obviously, it'll be split. So I think he'll have more opportunity because, you know, the Bills, they are a pass heavy team. When they do run the ball, they like to move Josh Allen. But it will be interesting, too, a little bit how Buffalo changes their dynamic now that Brian Dayball is no longer with the team and he is over coaching the Giants. Does that change up their perspective? I think James Cook is like a sleepy third option uh, there. And then Kenneth Walker, I mean, Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. There's just so many running backs there. He could be really good. He could be really bad. It's such a such inter, interesting situation for me. But, George, I do not think you're that far off with James Cook as RB1 when it comes to Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, we saw last year as well, uh, some of that was injury, but Travis Etienne was the number two running back off the board, and he was going like pick four. So yeah, if you're looking to get out of that pick one and still grab a top running back, probably pick three, four, five is a good spot for you to look. James Cook, Kenneth Walker are probably going to go somewhere around that spot. Yeah, I'm I, just to hit on Walker before we move on, I'm not the biggest fan of him short term because I think if Carson comes back, he might, you know, you know, demand some snaps, but this team I'm convinced is going to give Penny the first shot. And if Penny plays anything like he did down the stretch last year, it's going to be tough for them to bench him. And even though this hasn't seemed this way through the years, Seattle almost seems to me like a hot hand running back team. It's just the hot hand has always been Chris Carson because he's the only one that actually produced whenever they put another running back out there it just didn't work. So Carson, we don't know the injury status. If Penny can actually play the hot hand and he gets the first shot, who knows if Walker gets on the field enough to show that he can be a top back unless there's an injury to Penny or something like that. Which, and I think injury is a good point to make. Chris Carson coming off the neck injury. We don't know if he'll be back. Rashad Penny, while he looked incredible down the stretch last season, he's a former first round pick that has done nothing but deal with injuries. So 
Kenneth Walker is, you know, you know, is a solid pick because if he can stay healthy, he will get the ball. He was one of the best runners in Seattle. I think he'll slot in number two. I think it will be Penny Walker Carson to start the season. One, because I'm not 100% confident that Carson will make it all the way back with that pretty serious neck injury. Um, but those are the big names and big positions when it comes to fantasy for a draft recap. Um, so let's move into our next segment, which we're going to talk how the draft affected some of the other players already on these teams. And we're going to do a little bit of a stock watch. Stock watch here. We're going to give you some stock up or stock down players. Some guys here are on the same team. So we're going to pair them together and give thoughts on how the draft affected some of these other guys, or I guess other news here, actually, as we started off with the Eagles and we're going to talk Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. So I'll start off with Hurts, who I think has to be a stock up. But the only thing that I'm questioning is where did you rank him before that? Because when you look at it, he was quarterback one for a while during the season last year because his running ability and his consistency was actually very good, even though the Eagles were not performing for the beginning part of the year. He finished as a top five quarterback. Yet when I saw a lot of way too early rankings before the draft, people put him down at quarterback 10 again, which I think would be a steal. I think this has to solidify him as moving up towards the QB five range. So it's a stock up, but if he if that offense can get passing more, it's just going to open up the run game for him and Miles Sanders on top of it. I hear you. I hear you. And I knew we were going to disagree on this one. Ooh. Um, for me, like, it's either a stock neutral or mm-hmm. a stock down. Okay. Because what we loved about Jalen Hurts was his rushing ability. And I don't think that goes out the window by any means. I think that's a part of their offense. But that's what we liked about him. But now they have Devontae Smith. They have A.J. Brown. Whether you don't like him or not, they still have Jalen Rager for now. that could He could be a guy that gets cut or moved come the rest of this offseason. But they're building a better passing offense. They have Dallas Goddard. Like, if he's going to lose some of those rushing abilities, he hasn't proved to me enough as a passer that I think adding a bunch of – pass catching options around him makes his stock go up. I almost like him better when I know, oh, the first read's not open, he's gonna take off. Now if he has multiple reads, he might he might struggle a little bit. We'll see how the offense plays to his strength. You mentioned it. Quarterback 10, okay, well if we're putting him there, that might be a little bit low. But you know, a guy coming off top five season, uh, but I think you might not get that same productivity because he's gonna be asked to pass more. And he got majority of his points last year running the ball. That's fair. And we'll have to see how many rushing attempts he does get early in the season. And if he turns those rushing attempts into similar productivity, AJ Brown, on the other hand, going from Ryan Tannehill to Jalen hurts, we might not even say Ryan Tannehill's the most successful passer in the NFL, but I think it's got to be a stock down a little bit for AJ Brown. It's not even because of what's around him. It's because, I mean, he had Julio Jones next to him last year and everyone was like, uh, I don't know about AJ Brown. And I know Julio didn't play a lot, but he was fine. He's going to a lesser passer here. He still has Devonte Smith next to him. Not saying that that's going to affect him directly too much. I think hurts affects him more, but it's, it's not as sure of a thing, even though I think he's still going to be a very productive wide receiver. Yeah. I think, I think not only does this affect AJ Brown stock, it affects Devonte Smith stock. And this mm-hmm. is to, to the point what I was saying, like where, you know, this kind of contradicts why I think Jalen Hurts is going to 
you know, take a step back or stay neutral where he was. And neutral was the top five quarterback. So let's not act like that's a bad position to be at for a guy. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to run the ball more and they're going to be more run first, and he's only going to see, you know, five targets a game compared to 10 targets he was seeing in Tennessee. Well, there could be an issue there that he also has a little bit of an injury history. He, you know, he has struggled to stay healthy. We'll have to see if that, you know, kind of goes away now that he goes to a new team. It was never a serious injury. It was just always those nagging injuries that would take him out of the, the game for a quarter, take him out of the game for a half, miss a game here or there, not practice and then play those kind of things. And yes, we talked about how they have a friendship. They've already been working out, but the Eagles offense to me doesn't seem like, Jalen Hurts is going to be back there throwing 300 yards a game. So I think it is going to hurt mm-hmm. their their production. So, George, I am going to ask you this question. I'm going to circle this back to our DeAndre Hopkins question earlier. Okay. If A.J. Brown was on the Titans, I told you to take him over DeAndre Hopkins before the suspension. Yes. Now, the suspension obviously plays a big factor into it. So I would assume that you're still taking A.J. Brown ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. But is it closer now? The six, I, obviously you get six extra games with Anto, with AJ Brown, but the potential, <laughs> like if you're sitting there, AJ Brown or DeAndre Hopkins on the clock, depending on what the other team or your part of your team looks like, is this wide receiver one or wide receiver two? What is your thoughts? I'm probably going AJ Brown. I think, especially because of the six games, but I get exactly where you're coming from. AJ Brown's going to outscore DeAndre Hopkins because he has six extra games, but. In a points per game scenario, I expect DeAndre Hopkins to be slightly better. So that that's such a tough call. I would probably lean AJ Brown because of you know the ability to have that you know rock on your team the entire season. That's tough though. I mean, it it is a pretty you know interesting question, and you can't forget about Devonte Smith, who they spent a first round pick on last year, who had his moments as a rookie. This whole Eagles offense it's going to be very hard to project very hard to understand until we see it on paper uh but george i've talked about the eagles too much on this episode (laughs) so we're going to go to aj brown's former team the tennessee titans you may forget that they did bring in robert woods off of a six-round pick earlier in this offseason we're like we're going to get him a solid receiver interesting enough he still has three years left of a deal roughly around the $16 million that they offered A.J. Brown. But that's his topic for another day that we'll talk about. But how does you think this affects his stock? Do you think Robert Woods can – yes, he's coming off the ACL injury, but do you think he could come back and be a true number one wide receiver and get drafted to a similar spot where he was being taken third, fourth round last year ahead of a guy like Cooper Cup? Putting him in third, fourth round is a little bit tough, but putting him so if we're talking stock compared to where he was when he was sitting behind AJ Brown, expecting him to play a full season, he's definitely stocked up. Um, I don't know if I'd put him up to third, fourth round. I maybe five, six where I'm at right now, especially not knowing the injury status. If he's going to play a full season, we'll revisit this. But I think it's stock up, but not as high as he was this time last offseason. Yep, I, I'm right there with you. I got to see him come back, bounce back a little bit. He, he could be a guy that could be a draft steal because he goes to too low versus value, uh, but mm-hmm. he's not a guy I'm willing to like risk my team on. Like I don't want him to be my wide receiver one coming into the season. I'd like to have another option to have let Robert Woods be my 
wide receiver too. I think that's where he would fit in pretty nicely. The other draft day trade is Hollywood Brown going to the Cardinals. He was already stock up when he, the trade happened because of the offense. Essentially, is he now even higher up because of the DeAndre Hopkins? Are you keeping them the same because Hopkins will be back? Are you a little concerned once Hopkins is back, he might fade a little bit? What is your thoughts on Hollywood Brown? Man, I am looking into the future, and it's obvious that you can see that Hollywood Brown is going to be the biggest sell-now candidate in weeks five, six, and seven that we've seen in a long time. I expect him to have a great start, maybe even better than he would have with Hopkins in the lineup, and it's obviously going to get cut because you don't bring back a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins and not see a dip in production of the players around him, so... I, it's definitely a stock up. I put it slightly more up than it was before the news of Hopkins missing six games just because that's going to be a situation where if you play your cards right, you might be able to get more value out of him in weeks five, six, and seven in a trade than you got drafting him where you do. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. We're going to be talking about trade Hollywood Brown by week four because mm-hmm. Hopkins is going to come back and you know some people are going to hang on to him and they might look like the smarter person because they were able to to keep him and he'll ball out he has that connection he has that speed he has that deep fit we'll see if the drops continue I know that has plagued him a little bit but he still is a very talented receiver and they obviously have really liked him because they gave up a first round pick to go get him they've already picked up his fifth year option so a guy that you think they're going to like so it's definitely a stock up it will be interesting though I'm going to ask you you're on the clock, Hollywood Brown okay. or Robert Woods. <laughs> Ooh, this is another great comparison. Um, I'm going to go slightly into Hollywood Brown right now because I know that I'm going to probably get better production out of him in weeks one through six than Robert Woods. And then, you know, he still will have a spot on that offense if you can't move him to another team. Um, I think his production compared to Robert Woods is going to be similar after DeAndre Hopkins comes back, probably slight edge to Woods, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to hurt your team. So I'll go Brown a little bit. All right. And then my other question is, do you think there is a world where Hollywood Brown gets drafted before DeAndre Hopkins because of the suspension? Uh, How experienced is your league? <laughs> so no. Probably not, but it's it might be close they might be like one round different in adp got you so maybe like how you know jefferson and Thielen were i believe last year jefferson something like that was like a round and a half prior to adam Thielen. so it could be something similar there uh but let's move on to hollywood brown's former team and this is almost more of a vote of confidence one they traded hollywood brown so rashad bateman former first round pick We'll have to look at his stock. And then J.K. Dobbins, who were still a little bit up in the air on his injury report. There was some concerns about him being able to start for training camp. But they didn't draft a running back until the sixth round. Granted, running backs, you can find a good one in the sixth rounds. Tyler Batty. I don't think that's actually how you pronounce his last name, but it's a lot cooler the way it, to say it that yeah, way. It is. Um, they took a punter before him. So give or take, how much do you think they they're really invest him? Could just be a guy to replace uh, the the – waiver pickup that is blanking off my name after week one last year the running back from baltimore that everybody loved and then 
we could he couldn't. You're get talking back on the Trenton field. Cannon, like no, there was another guy. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up while you talk about Rashad Bateman because I know this was one of your favorite picks last year, and then now that Hollywood oh Brown Tyson gone, Williams is who you're there, talking about. Tyson Williams. Oh, sorry, yes. they were they were on running back eight last year on the depth chart, and like the only ones that end up working out are those former thousand yard rushers that right. didn't really work out too well, like Devonte, yeah, Devonte Freeman and. uh Latavius Murray like I don't, they were a mess that they can't be as much of a mess at running back this year and hopefully that's a good thing for J.K. Dobbins he's still probably going to see a split between him and Gus Edwards in an ideal world for the Ravens I'm sure but big stock up number one them not getting Melvin Gordon with Melvin Gordon returning to the the Broncos number two with them not taking a running back before round six yeah like you said Cody that that's the kind of guy that still could come in and surprise people but J.K. Dobbins already is in with the coaching staff. He had that one really good year to start off and should be the first person to get in the split with somebody else, probably Gus Edwards. So I it's got to be stock up for him because we were fading him and fading him slowly every week leading up to the draft. No, I, I agree. I think we all thought a running back was coming now that there was one not. Like, go back and listen to our way too early mock draft. We took J.K. Dobbins in the first round. Not saying he's mm-hmm. moved all the way back up into a first round, but he's going to start getting that consideration, especially if we start getting these reports that he's starting to get healthier. Um, you know, if he starts the, the year on PUP, obviously he's going to be in the same situation as DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be a guy that falls that you're going to want to pick up or draft later. Uh, but if he starts the season, like he should be the top running back on a very run first team. So I like J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Bateman, I'll hit on real quick. To me, honestly, I don't think his stock changes too much. Like, again, it's the same thing I have with A.J. Brown. Like, I just don't trust there to be a lot of opportunity passing from this offense. And until I see it, it's hard for me to get too excited about their wide receivers. Um, Bateman is, you know, he isn't that deep threat that you could – Hollywood Brown could get you a 60-yard touchdown. Bateman isn't that guy they already have mark andrews over it so i'd say it's probably stock neutral i don't think his stock is effective as that maybe it's a little bit up because he is now the the quote-unquote number one wide receiver but there is number two wide receivers out there that i would like more than getting rashad bateman no i totally get that and bateman was kind of a wide receiver four for fantasy last year you could flex him if you were desperate you're probably getting about 10 points but he was his ceiling was low his ceiling probably did go up a little bit, which is why I will say slight stock up. Um, but it does think that he's not a deep threat wide receiver because he could be a PPR monster, except for the fact that the PPR monster on that team is already Mark Andrews. And there's not a lot of passes to go around for them to support two PPR monster receivers. Yeah. And I, I think the Ravens, they're going to need, you know, a step up out of guys like Devin DuVernay and some of their other speed guys to, get that threat of over the top or they're going to have a hard time. If those safeties can play close to the box and stay closer to Mark Andrews. We'll be interested in how that offense moves forward. Another mm-hmm. guy we've already hit on a little bit, but let's give our official stock on May 4th. Take that up for into grain of salt too. This is May 4th stocks. This will change all <laughs> off season as fantasy loves to do, but Devin Singletary, they drafted James cook in the second round. We were trying to get them to get Melvin Gorman. We we're trying to get them to get Brees Hall to end on James cook. Still love the acquisition there. If Devin Singwood didn't come on so strong at the end of last season, this would be a guy like we wouldn't even be talking about. But he Mm -hmm. did, so we have to talk about it. 
does the running back scare you at all? Do you have him in the same value because James Cook just replaces Zach Moss? Like, where are you at with Devin Singletary? I don't even know if you could say that. Well, I, I let me just say this too. Like people are still ignoring that Devin Singletary was the top guy last year because when I'm seeing so many other people talk about it, it's like, oh, this really hurt Zach Moss. And I'm someone who was very high on Zach Moss, but guys, Zach Moss was done. It was Devin Singletary's offense from the running back position, at least majorly going through the end of the regular season in the playoffs. And it, with him getting as many carries as he was, it's got to be a stock down, at least some. I personally am uh, somebody who thinks I would take, at, right now, James Cook over Devin Singletary in a redraft. Just because I feel like Singletary has his explosions, but his ceiling is not super great to me. Plus, now knowing that he's probably not going to get as many carries because there's still all those running backs there. And this shiny new toy at running back, who is also a pass catcher that I feel like they're going to use in that offense. So stock down and right now, at least in the early rankings in my head, not the top running back on that team even. Interesting. All right. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I was going to give you a, a player comparison, but that one didn't make sense in my head. So I'm just going to move okay. on to another AFC East team, the Jets. You know, some are saying they they were the winners of round one. They had a really good draft. Some guys we have to pay attention to. Elijah Moore, second round pick from last year. Well, they did get Garrett Wilson at pick 10. So we'll have to see how that affects him. And then the other guys, Michael Carter. We already mentioned it. Priest Hall did end up there being the first running back taken off the board. George, I'll let you pick if you want to talk Elijah Moore or Michael Carter first. But tell me where their stock is at. All right, I'll start with Michael Carter. Um, it's got to be stocked down for Michael Carter. I think if Zach Wilson kept going in the direction he was going, getting towards the end of the year, Michael Carter could have actually been just as good or better this year. And he was already a running back three, if I'm thinking correctly, um, near the end of last season, just because that passing game opening up definitely would help the running game not have eight man boxes against them every single play. So I was looking forward to seeing that, and apparently the Jets staff did not think that Michael Carter alone was enough, and they brought in Brees Hall to compliment him. I don't think it's going to completely bench him, but it's definitely a stock down. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Michael Carter, too. I think they have a really solid one-two punch there with mm -hmm. Brees Hall and Michael Carter, a young one-two punch. But it's going to be – and I, don't get me wrong. It could be very similar to what we see in – now, obviously, Aaron Jones is going to go a lot higher. But, you know, some weeks Aaron Jones has, you know, 30 points because he gets most of the touches. He's a part of the game. In other games, it's a, you know, back and forth, you know, pounded out game. And A.J. Dillon gets the touchdowns. Like, it could be that kind of split. I don't think either of them will have Aaron Jones-esque, you know, ceiling in year one or this year. Because I do think Aaron Jones is, a, you know, such a high caliber player. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one week, Michael Carter looks like the guy. The next week, Bryce, uh, Brees Hall looks like the guy, and it goes back and forth for a little bit, uh, and they kind of ride the hot hand like you were talking about what Seattle would do. Um, but moving on to Elijah Moore, I'm going to stay you know, stay stock neutral with him too. I think Garrett Wilson coming in, I think they've, they're starting to do a really good job of building a wide receiver unit. Like I don't think – I think Garrett Wilson has his specific roles. I think Elijah Moore has his specific roles. And they'll work well in tandem together. They're not going to be the best, you know, 
wide receiver tandem out there, but this year, I don't believe it. But, you know, if the Jets keep progressing, they could be down the line. And we've seen teams, you know, I'm going to use the Bengals as an example for this one. You know, we see Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They're not saying, you know, either of these players are Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but they both have value in the same offense. And I think you can see that here. So Elijah Moore, despite drafting wide receiver, wide receiver um, I guess maybe a little bit of stock down, but it's very slight. It's probably closer to stock neutral because uh, I think they both complement each other well and they both can succeed in the NFL working together and down the line could be a dynamic duo. The only reason I'm going to say stock down is because I think people had really high hopes on Elijah Moore taking that step up that he was starting to show before he got hurt and missed the end of last season. So I think it's going to be a lot more similar to what you saw last season. Um, so that's why I get like, you're probably going off of that as your stock neutral. And I'm with you there. Um, there's going to be a progression from Zach Wilson. That pass game is going to get better, but you're not going to see it as much in more stats because while he's probably going to get the same amount that he was getting, the rest of it's going to go to Garrett Wilson. Um, as a unit, big stock up as an individual for Elijah Moore, neutral to down. Yeah. So we're on the same page there. We talked about a breakout. Another guy we were expecting a big breakout from, from how he ended the season was Amra St. Brown. They obviously drafted the wide receiver, Jamison Williams. His stock will be very contingent on if Jamison Williams will start the year on PUP. And this is a good time to give you a quick PSA remember to make your fantasy drafts especially if we're talking redrafts as close to after week three of the preseason as you can it's close to the start of the season even if it's that wednesday night before if that's the only time everyone can do it do it later rather than earlier so you have the latest information and you're not getting there a team that's stuck with a guy that's you know injured or something like that during the preseason or you have the full information on whether or not after cut down day where Jamison Williams will start. If Jamison Williams starts from the beginning of the season, very similar to the Elijah Moore thing. I don't know how much of a stock up or stock down is pretty neutral. Like I think they complement each other pretty well, but if he is healthy, it would probably be a little bit a stock down, but I'm a big Jamison Williams fan. I know you're not as big of a Jamison Williams fan. So what is your thought on Amra St. Brown? Uh, this is nothing against Jamison Williams and maybe call me crazy stock up. Because I think having another weapon across from him that can be a deep threat, especially with how much St. Brown was catching everything, was going all over the field, I think that helps him. It's also going to help Jared Goff be more confident as much as he's not the flashiest quarterback in the world, unless your name's Tyler Snyder and you think he is the best quarterback in the world. Um, he is still somebody who has supported multiple fantasy relevant wide receivers in the past and if they're going to keep building this offense up with the weapons that look competent i have no problem with drafting amra st brown pretty high and being confident in a guy who won me a championship last year even though it might not look the flashiest because he's wearing that blue and silver lions helmet no i'm right there with you the same could be said with jared goff i know on the couch gms we're big proponents of late round quarterback well Jared Goff, I'll mention again, their starting offensive line, or not offensive line, their starting offense on paper is Jared Goff, a quarterback, Amrah St. Brown, Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson. It is a very underrated offensive group. Will it all come together in year one? We'll have to wait and see. But this isn't Jared Goff's first year in the offense. He'll be in his second year. You know, he's very similar it's to not like St. Brown's first year in the offense either. Right, it, but I was going to say Jared Goff 
is look at Kirk Cousins last year. He went pretty late. Nobody, he probably was even a waiver pickup. Nobody really wanted him. Same could be said about Derek Carr, which is going to go higher this year because of his weapons. But if Jared Goff comes out and leads the league in passing, similar to how Derek Carr did, and they're fighting for a playoff spot, whether they make it or not, wouldn't be surprised. I think Jared Goff could be a late round flyer quarterback that you take a take a chance on because he has the weapons around him that they could put up multiple 300 yards games. You've mentioned it. He did it with the Rams. New offense, new system, but he's done it before. He supported two fantasy-relevant wide receivers. So Jared Goff, I think, has the biggest uptick after the draft. Um, and then our last group of players is Terry McLaurin because they drafted a wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. They were one of the top people that picked a receiver in the top 18. And then Antonio Gibson because they also added a running back in the middle rounds. And Brian Robinson Jr., another guy we talked about, I'll stick with it and talk about Antonio Gibson. Um, his stock for me is unaffected. It's not stocked down. He already had J.D. McKissick back, so we already know he liked to steal some goal line work. I think Brian Robinson could steal some of that like super goal line. He's more of a power back. Um, so one or two, like let's run heavy. He'll get you in there type of thing. Um, but you know he's still supposed to be a part of the offense. Uh, but he's not the guy that we expected out of last year. So if you come into it this year thinking – okay, solid, you know, he has the potential. I like his upside. I'm not taking him with the top 15 pick this year. I'm taking him with the top 30 pick. Then his stock doesn't, you know, change. If you were expecting what you're expecting last year, it's stock down. But if you're looking at it on where he should be, it'd be stock neutral for me. Yeah, I'm going to probably say neutral as well. And for a couple of factors, like, yeah, I don't think that bringing in Brian Robinson is too big of a deal. It does concern me that like he was kind of the short yardage power first and second down guy. And if Brian Robinson is going to fit anywhere in the offense, it's that um, JD McKissick is obviously the passing down guy, completely different skill set than Antonio Gibson. But I don't see them just walking away from an Antonio Gibson that easily with how productive he has been. Um, and then also Carson Wentz coming in there as much as we'd like to try to make Taylor Heineke a really good quarterback. And I, wish he would have more success than he had last year. Carson Wentz has to be at least a little bit better unless you're playing the Jaguars in week 18. So that alone has to take pressure off of the offensive line because they're not going to have as many stack boxes. You still have wide receivers around, especially after you just drafted Johan Dotson. So stock neutral for Gibson. Don't expect him to be a top 15, like you said, but a top 30 pick. I think that's a good spot. I can move us right into Terry McLaurin because I'm already talking about Carson Wentz. I think that passing game's got to have a bit of an improvement, but I'm going to say it's a slight stock down um, because I think Carson Wentz has thrived the most with receivers that can go up and get the ball, but are like more possession type receivers. He's a little bit inconsistent with the deep threat receiver. So he's going to get his points. He's definitely going to hit Terry McLaurin, but I don't think that he's the best fit as a number one wide receiver in a Carson Wentz offense, even though he is going to be benefited slightly. So just very slight step down. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of what we've seen from Terry McLaurin after his rookie year. Like he's a guy that could put up 30 points, but, you know, he's also going to give you a lot of those four or five, six-week points games. So not a guy you want to be your wide receiver one. Um, we'll see if it is Carson Wentz, the one 
you know, they did take Sam Howe, who everyone had a lot higher pretty late in the draft. Uh, for me, I'm hoping because I have Diami Brown in a couple dynasty leagues that I'm hoping that that Sam Howe to Diami Brown connection rekindles, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Terry McLaurin. Um, for me, maybe it's because I've had him on fantasy teams. He's a guy I really like. He was a guy I was hoping would get moved to a different team during the draft. I think he has a lot of potential. He's a very talented receiver, but does he is he in the best fit? And going in with that mindset, he's not a guy that I'm targeting. If he falls into my lap, you know, if he falls in my lap in round four, like, heck yeah, I'm taking Terry McLaurin. But he's not a guy I'm going out and saying I'm not pounding the table for him to be my, my guy. So I probably agree with you a little bit that he is a slight stock down, but he's pretty much where he's been the last year and a half. Yes, I think that wraps up our stock watch segment. So as we mentioned to start the show and as we will end the show, 100 episodes. It has been a long hell of a ride. Do the confetti. Cody. Yeah. Woo. We don't have the budget for that. We'll add it in post. Well, there you go. Okay. There we go. Add it in post. So, Cody, I have to ask you as we wrap up the show, what has been your favorite moment or favorite part of the show in the first 100 episodes? All right. I'll give you two answers. I'll give you like one. We've talked about it enough. We record this podcast virtually in 100 episodes. We got to do one together all three of us in the same room by far was probably our favorite episode to record. Cause there's a lot mm-hmm. more banter and back and forth you can have. Um, but like the sentimental part of it and one, thank you to all our listeners. Cause that's a big reason why we continue to do this, but is seeing the growth. When we started this, we were a NFL podcast and we're like, there's so much people talking about the NFL out there and we talk enough fantasy on it. Let's just make this fantasy focused. And we, we changed and it cost us some listeners because some people don't play fantasy. We understand that. And so while we've done a hundred episodes, it's almost like we've started a second podcast, got rid of the first one, start a second one. We used to do punishments. If you think about back to the, Hey, if you still like those, maybe we'll bring <laughs> it back. Yeah. We're probably not going to, but Hey, if enough people <laughs> tweet at us, comment us, follow us, subscribe and say, we want punishments. We'll definitely bring it back for you guys. Uh, but just the, the transgression us as people, uh, the knowledge that we've, we've gained out of it. And, you know, we all make fun of how I speak, but if you go back and listen to episode one compared to now, it is a drastic difference on how much better I am on a microphone. Same can be said for George Tyler. We're not going to give him a hundred percent credit for a hundred episodes. Cause he's probably only been on, uh, 85, maybe, maybe 80. Uh, but we still love him. We're looking forward to doing more episodes with him. He is still 100% a part of this team. And George, I know I've been talking for a minute, but what has been your your favorite moment, favorite part of the show? I mean, obviously, the um, episode we did together at the beach last year has to be my favorite moment. But <laughs> I like to go back to the very beginning and how we were getting people to go along with our picks back when we still were just an NFL podcast. We had some uh, challenges from your girlfriend, even how she was picking against us and she had to do a punishment because she didn't pick. The interactions with the fans in general has been something that's been really nice. We've been able to answer fan questions on the show. We've been messaging with some of you on social media as well. We do this as much for you guys as we do for us too. Like it's, it's fun for us, but I like being able to interact with other people out there expanding, you know, our fantasy community in general. So whether it's teaching new people about the game, which is something that we would definitely want to do. We're definitely going to do a lot more of, we have the plans for this off season, but we did start to do last year as well to just helping people, you know, win championships, win their week in those tough situations with all of those injuries. 
that's my favorite part is how much we be, are able to interact outside of the podcast as much as I get to talk to you guys every week on the podcast. Couldn't agree more. And if you want to find ways to interact, if you're listening for the first time, well, obviously, thank you. But again, you can follow us on the Couch GMs, or you can go to our website, thecouchgms.com, or you can follow us at the Couch GMs on Twitter, Instagram. And that, I think that's also how you find us on Facebook, too, is facebook.com slash thecouchgms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because, like George mentioned, we have more than just the podcast episodes up there. There's, if you're trying to get, we did them last year, but they still are in the same context. If you're getting new into a different types of formats, we have how to videos out there for you. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, but, George, I think that's enough for this episode. I can't believe it's been 100. Let's do 100 more or 100 times 100 or more. Or 1,000 more. Or, yeah, let's yeah. just keep, keep doing this. Um, Tyler will be back next week with us. Uh, so he's not here, but he would say same thing. Get involved. This podcast is more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. 100 down, big, even bigger 100 to go, Cody. Thank you all for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. May the 4th be with you. For Cody Road Captain George Kirk, we'll see you all next week.